Hello there and welcome. This is Story You Talk Radio and I am your host, Coach Debbie. And I'm delighted to be with you for this hour that we have together during the week. I want to thank you for tuning in. And I want to encourage you, if you have a question today, make sure you send it on in. I've I got lots of sleep. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to coach you. I'm ready to help you out. There's so many things we can talk about. I love to set up a topic, but you're always welcome to call in and share anything that's on your mind. I've been thinking a little bit about the fact that while I help people write their books, their blogs, their brands, their brands, their speeches, their TED Talks, their podcasts, whatever it is people want to write. I love to help people get that out into the world. I've been noticing lately, I've been having conversations with my clients and students around the notion of being dysfunctional with your creative time. Mm, What does that mean? Today, we're going to take the dis out of your functional. We're going to bring you back to the center again, that place where it's not so controlling. It's not so clingy. It's not so avoidant. It's it's more of a, a middle balanced ground where you you just have that good fitting. You you have quality guidance. You're really listening to yourself. You're following your intuition. You're being thoughtful. All that good stuff that we love to be. If you are one of those people that's feeling a little humdrum around your creative projects or maybe you've just left it aside, um, I'm going to help you get back into the driver's seat and take full advantage of your voice so you can create your book, your blog, your brand, your speech, your podcast, whatever you want to create. Let's make sure you get the opportunity to do it and that your creative time isn't sabotaged by you or somebody else. So that's what I've set up to talk to you about today, but maybe you got something else on your mind. And I want you to feel free to call in and talk to me. I'm down here at the station at KKNW in Bellevue, Washington. And you know who I've got with me here. I've got Eric Ryder, the wonderful sound engineer and everything else. How you doing, Eric? Hey, good afternoon, Debbie. I'm doing great. Great to see you. Great to see you. We're we're getting all Pfizered and Modernaed up here. Um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm Team Moderna. You're Team Pfizer. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's so looking forward to the end of this uh, pandemic. Oh uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. We're 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 gearing up over here to start seeing more of our dear people. But right now, Eric's way over there, and I'm way over here. Even though it sounds like we're practically sharing the same chair. That's technology <laughs> for you, you know. That's yes. technology doing its thing. But Eric knows all the great numbers where you can all call in. So let me turn the mic over to him to tell you all about that. Great. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you if you've got a question for Coach Debbie today. Phone numbers are 425 425- 
323-373-5527. Again, 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888-298-KKNW. That's 888-298-5569. Of course, if you're feeling a little bit too shy to call in, you can message Debbie on her Facebook page. Oh, thank you. And we do have some shy ones, like, uh, oh, shall we say 95% of y'all. But that's okay. I understand. There was a... There was a talk radio show that I used to call into, but I think I listened to it for about a year before I got. Before <laughs> Sometimes I got it takes guts. time to build up that courage. Yeah, we're not judging anybody, though. No, we just love having the the interaction uh, from listeners. Yeah, but I do love to tease y'all. So, hey, if you haven't looked me up on Facebook, let me help you find your way to my page. I'm Coach Debbie. D-E-B-B-Y, so you can write to me there. Or you can go to my personal page, Debbie Handrich. So we just went over Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. Handrich is easier. It's just like it sounds. So that's H-A-N-D-R-I-C-H. Just pop a little note in Messenger or to any of the links I've got going on regarding Story You Talk Radio And I will pick those up during the break and offer you a little coaching. But if you want to call, that invitation's open. I love it. It's lots of fun. So remember here, we're we're thinking about the fact that if you've had any, 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 any sort of dysfunctional relationship in the past in your life, then it's possible that when you go to write or create, you find it lingers there too. It's kind of weird how it works. I was sort of hoping that any dysfunctional relationships I had ever known were part of my long, long, fearless past and would have nothing to do with my current blog. And yeah, well, that just wasn't the truth. Anytime, anytime we know how to cling to something, avoid something, control something, dodge something, binge something, guess what? We're liable to do it with the thing we most want to be creative with. Seems wrong, doesn't it? It's like, what? Well, but I want to write this book. Well, you do, mostly. I mean, mostly you do. But there's often a part of us, it's in the subconscious mind. I learned this from Jim Fortin. I learned this from Michael Neal. I've had several coaches who have helped me remember that the subconscious mind is sort of like the ruler of your planet. It makes decisions before you get the opportunity to. And you can do some great things to rewire it, but it, it's the one that says, ah, no, 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 no. You're not doing that. No, you're not. I know you thought you were, but let me tell you, you're not. So you're in the right place if you have ever experienced that tugging feeling away from what you just said you were going to do. I know a friend of mine, uh, she was very, she's not a writer, but she was very, very interested in selling her house. 
but she had this terrible dysfunctional relationship with her house. She treated it like it had to make her rich. So she could never stage it to the point that she wanted to put it on the market. She could always find something wrong with the patio or with the the appliances and and it just kept postponing and postponing and postponing her putting her house on the market. Well, we do the same thing with our creative journey. So if you have fallen prey to these negative habits, don't feel like you're alone. You're not alone at all. We're all going through this together. But I want to bring you some ease and some more comfort while you write your book. Because honestly, doing something that you love should feel really good. People think that uh, writers are just willing to white knuckle and go through the pain of writing. But guess what? A lot of us that write really like to write. The, the reason we're going through pain is for these reasons I was just telling you. We get into that clingy, that controlly, that avoidy, that stuff. That stuff. We don't belong there. So let me just reel off a couple of tips for you, and then we're going to go deeper in them. Think about the notion that you might be in a dysfunctional relationship with your creativity if you are reactionary and not growth-oriented. What does that mean? Hmm, Think about that for a minute. You might be in a dysfunctional relationship with your book or your blog or your brand or your speech if you are someone who doesn't really know the difference between your needs and your desires. And especially if you're thinking that everybody else has to take care of all that for you. Now, we don't really sit back and think, oh, somebody's got to take care of all this for us. But sometimes we show up in the world as if it is so. So we're going to talk about that. What about the whole notion that you really want to do something like, like get up and do a TED Talk, but the notion that someone close to you is going to see you do this, they're going to find out what you had to say in the world, that just brings you to your knees. And so you focus more on their perspective and less on what you want to bring into the world. So I, I call that getting really uncomfortable with your own perspective and too comfortable with someone else's. And then there's the fact that sometimes we don't know how to care for self, but we know how to care for others, and all of our creative time is gone. All right, so that should give you some things to think about. Looks like we have a caller. Who do we got here, Eric? We do. We've got Michael in Seattle on the line for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in, Michael. How can I help you today? Fantastic. How are we doing? Oh, good day, Michael. I know this, Michael. Hello. I'm great. How are you doing? Fantastic. I just heard your voice and I heard you offer to for us to call in. I thought I'd just reach out. Oh, I'm so glad you did. Well, we're 
We're talking about being creative, and one thing I know about you, Michael, is that you are a very, very creative individual. So what should we talk about today? Well, you really inspired me because I was thinking about uh, when you were talking about the dysfunction and taking the dis out. I was really thinking deeply about that. And, you know, I, um, as, as you know, I'm launching a podcast or I just launched a podcast, but I had this for a while, I had this imposter syndrome going on mm. where I felt that people would not want to listen to my voice. And with your coaching and inspiration, that changed. That really, really changed. And I'm very grateful for that. Oh, thank you so much. I, I've heard that term imposter syndrome for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. And what I want to tell you about that is people treat it like it's a bad thing. But actually, I like to treat the so-called imposter syndrome or the idea that we're, we're some phony baloney out here thinking we can write a book or start a podcast or whatever else. I actually think the imposter syndrome comes up to let us know if we're ready to jump, this is what risk feels like. This mm. is what it feels like to say yes in a very big way to something we know we want to do, but the imposter syndrome is giving you one last chance to go, ah, I, maybe I'll just go sit down on the couch for another day or year. And, and it, it comes up at, uh, where did you feel it kind of in your body, like in your throat or in your stomach? Where'd you feel it? I had a lot of self-talk going on. Uh-huh. Thinking, thinking, you know, that just things wouldn't resonate with people. And then I stopped thinking about that. And then the creativity exploded after that. And I think it was mostly probably, um, it was in my soul, but it was just kind of in my mid body. I think I just really felt it for months and I kept thinking, I'm working on this project. It's really going well, but then what if it doesn't? And then all of a sudden I didn't care anymore and it just kept pushing forward. And then when we, we talked and we spent time together, it just got more creative and more creative and more creative and more inspiring. And, you know, I just, I think the first couple interviews I did, I felt like I was just asking questions, but after we worked together, I felt like I was helping our guests come alive and really share their stories and, that's when the imposter syndrome went away. Yeah, you're saying something really important here, and that is that you became very aware how you could put your creative juices to work to inspire others, to serve others. And when we're focused a little less on our own performance and more on what this is going to do for others, all that weird stuff just falls away. It did. It dissipated. It fell away, uh, you know, and it was an incredible feeling to realize that, you know, it didn't matter what people thought about what I was doing. What mattered to me is what they thought about what the guests had to say. And I've been very fortunate to have amazing guests that have great stories and they come on and they're nervous and they have the imposter syndrome. So because I went through it, I was able to help them through it. That's another part that just occurred to me. 
And we have to go through these things because people are going to show up and they're going to want us to teach them. See, isn't it perfect? Yeah, it's amazing how it goes full circle. I think what you're finding, Michael, and you're going to notice this as you reach out further and further, is you start with guests that make sense to you. Then you Mm. come up with the notion that there's a guest that's just a little bit further or a little bit harder to reach for, but since I've overcome my imposter syndrome, I can overcome the reach it will take to get to that guest. And then you're going to find that that builds on a new challenge and that builds on the new one. But because you dealt with that imposter syndrome right out of the gate, right out of the gate, you said, you know, this podcast means a lot to me. I'm going to start it even while I am nervous. You've Mm -hmm. been brought into a whole new playing field where you are functioning, where you took your own dis out of your function. Well done, my friend. Yeah, I really feel it. And I'm really grateful that that we got to spend time together talking through it. Well, me too. And let's do more of it. What do you say? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Well, Michael, I think we're going to have to bring you into the studio in the near future and have you tell us all about what you've created for chefs and the people like me that just love to eat. Okay. Yeah, I would, I would love to do that. Okay. You're on. I'll be in touch. Take care. All right. You too. Well, see, that's not so tough. Michael did it. Bet you can too. Michael is a wonderful client of mine that I met some years ago uh, at Toastmasters and also because he and a woman named Patricia, uh, Patricia Hansen, were involved in a project where at her retirement, she decided to bicycle across the country. And Michael was one of the people tracking her. We brought her on an earlier radio show I used to do with my love, Todd Allen. That was Life Mastery Radio. And uh, Michael discovered as a caller that he kind of liked radio. He thought that was pretty inspiring. So he now has his own podcast that has just launched, which is called Voice for Chefs. And the four is a number four. Voice for Chefs. Look it up. I think you're really going to enjoy it. We got to take a quick break here, but we're just going to be quick and then we're going to come back to your calls, your questions, because we got to get that dis out of your function. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Hello. 
I'm Nathan Mum. Join me and Mike Gray as we host a weekly technology show that talks about technology for the everyday common person. We are a live radio program that airs Saturday from 4 to 5 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. If you go to facebook.com forward slash techtimeradio, youtube.com forward slash techtimeradio, or twitch.tv forward slash techtimeradio, you can catch us live Saturdays from 4 to 5 p.m. You can find us at all podcast services online from Apple to Google and everything in between. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. And welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, we had a chance a moment ago to talk to Michael, and I'd be happy to talk to any of you because we're talking about getting the dis out of your function and bringing you back to your creative center. There's a lot of things that can cause us to feel really disconnected from our creativity and and get a little dysfunctional about it, get a little clingy, get a little controlling. Um, it's, it's not unheard of to find yourself in a place where you just don't want to be creative anymore. And yet, are you aware that that's because of your relationship with your creative time? For a lot of moms, this is really difficult because they feel like they have a very limited amount of time, but then the dysfunctional talk begins and says, well, why are you giving this any time at all when your family is so important? Or we have the full-time worker who has a very limited amount of time. I think Michael for for some time has been in that situation where he has his family, he has his commitments, he has his community, he has his job, and he had this desire to create a podcast. Well, when you have a limited amount of time, it's easy to, and I'm not saying he did, but it is easy to create a relationship with the tiny bit of creative time you have scheduled that keeps you from getting to it at all. And that's not what we want for you. We want for you to be involved and and to even maybe even start with 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day so that you know it can build. I spend on Thursdays probably eight hours getting ready for my show. I mean, there's a lot going on in the background to get ready for this. And I spend some time peppered over the week to get ready for it. But it's an hour show. And for a lot of people, it wouldn't be worth it. It'd be like, well, you know, I've got all these other things going on. For me, it's my joy. And as soon as I realize this is my joy, the time to do it started to show up. A little more and a little more and a little more. And I never feel like, ah, I got to go work on my radio show. That never happens. I'm really tied into being here. But there are times, I will be honest, where I don't want to do my writing. I don't want to do that blog post that's on the calendar. Or I don't want to give that speech that I agreed to five months ago and now it's only a week away. And usually... Usually it's because I'm, I'm either avoiding it, 
I'm controlling it. I'm clinging to it. I'm doing something that's not so functional around it. So one thing that I think is very interesting, I was talking to my Facebook groups about this earlier today. And this, this thing is about having more perspective. Well, I've been watching. Did you all watch Gilmore Girls? <laughs> did you see that show back there in 2000, 2007? I think it was pulled off the air. But I, did, I never saw it back then. I, I don't even think I owned a TV back then. And now... You know, I've been binging it on Netflix, just loving it. It's the story of a mom and a daughter, and the daughter has a real inclination to be a writer. And um, spoiler alert, sorry, got to do it, got to do it, but it's important in my show. There comes a point in time where the daughter goes to the mother and says, I have this idea. I want to write our story the story about us. And the mother like turns white and nearly falls dead on the floor in panic and says, uh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> and the story evolves from there. But what's amazing is that the daughter who wants to do the writing almost buys in to the mother's fear that it shouldn't happen. Now, the mother had been supporting the daughter all up until this point that she would be a great writer, that she would be a wonderful journalist, that she was on the right path. And then all of a sudden the daughter says, but I want to write our story. And the mom's like, forget it. Now, you, you might relate to this, either being on the mother's side or the daughter's side. But I'm just going to speak to the daughter's side, the one that wants to be the creative one. Now, the way a daughter or anyone who wants to share their creativity is going to keep going is if you honor your perspective and you do it with the highest integrity. So now, what does that mean? You, you've heard about the notion that, you know, all the names were changed to protect the innocent. You've heard about that. Well, it's a true thing. Any writer, especially writers that I work with that are working on memoir, you want to be very integrous towards the people you are closest to, towards the people that you might be mentioning. You know, if your lover or your mother or your brother or whoever is coming up in your story, you, you claim that perspective that this is your perspective. And you, as writer, are being respectful of them. Now, there's another kind of writing. I don't know what to call it. Gossip slash other things. The whole, the whole agenda is to just take someone down. And I, don't, I, I can't help you with that. But if you are a memoir writer, if you are someone creating fictional stories that will take people out of their own thinking and into another world where they can do a little sorting or maybe you are writing speeches. Maybe you're writing your next YouTube. Whatever it is, you're, you're doing it from the perspective of your own experience. 
and you honor those that come into it. You honor the fact that you had an experience. Now, what a lot of people get caught up in is, is she telling the truth? Well, how can, it, how can there even be truth? There's her experience. There's how she saw it go down. There's also, let's go back to Gilmore Girls. There's the mom's experience. The mom might disagree a little here or there. And the mom's allowed to disagree. But if you are someone trying to create a book and you're like Rory Gilmore and you want to write your story because you love your mom and you love what she's taught you over your life, you don't want to be caught up in her fear, her perspective. Because usually that's all it is. The person sitting across from you is terrified. You're going to reveal something that's private, right? That's personal. And you just might, but you just likely might do it in a way that is so thoughtful and that causes no harm at all. I mean, one of the things that a client, she, when she was writing her memoir, her mother was so afraid that it was going to come out that she never went to college. I don't know how she had kept it such a secret, and I don't know why it was such a secret, but the daughter did say that her mother had been her biggest, strongest inspiration, and she did it all from the school of hard knocks. It's not like she had any professors or anyone teaching her a formal education. And the mother had no offense whatsoever to this. But my client, who I had been working with, was so afraid that when it comes out, she felt it was very important to the story, when it comes out that the mom had never gone to college, that this would be the end of the two of them. And so I encouraged her, go have a conversation with her. Let her know that you are honoring her in your book and how she walked through the school of hard knocks, as you call it, and what she imparted on you, and see if you see any ruffles. And she didn't, so she put it in her book. And what do you know? What do you know? Sometimes people lay down the law and say, you will not write that book. You will not include me in that story. You will not mention my name. But really... Honestly, what they're saying is, I'm just scared that I won't look good. I'm just scared that it might come out in such a way that I have to defend myself or I have to, you know, move to Uganda to protect my identity or something silly like that. I mean, think about all the moms, just for a minute. Think about all the moms that show up in books, in real live memoir books, and you loved the writer, and you loved the story, but you never went and got on Google and searched out the mom and tried to find her last name and what she was up to and everything about, you know, in most cases, it's just mom. It's just that role she played. It, it's not that we're all running out trying to find out about her. And in most cases... Mom just gets a first name at best, if she gets a name at all. Now, if you're someone like Carrie Fisher, 
and you're wildly famous to begin with before you even put your memoir out there, yeah, maybe a lot of us already know that Debbie Reynolds was your uh, mother or stepmother. See, I can't even remember, and I, I loved the book. But even then, are you really spending your time Googling everything you can find out about her? Probably not. She's just a good part of the story. And you don't want to put down all your creative energy, all your desire to write this story, just because you're worried that mom, on the day you told her you were going to write your book, flinched a little and said, don't you dare. (laughs) There's a lot of moms out there doing that. But there's also, there's also a lot of writers, a lot of clients of mine who come to me and say the number one reason I haven't gotten any further with my memoir is because I just don't want to scare anyone. I don't want to hurt anyone. Well, sorry, that's dysfunctional. That's clinging to some sort of outcome that is so far from now. Why is it so far from now? Because you haven't written the book. So it's important to get yourself back to the idea that you have a desire. You want to put something out into the world. You want to offer a book, an article, a speech. You might even be doing a speech where in a a 28-minute speech, 30 seconds of it goes to someone in your family. And you tell them this and they say, oh, no, 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 don't you dare get on that stage and don't talk about me. Kind of goes back to that syndrome that Michael called in and talked about earlier, that imposter syndrome and, and that fear of being exposed. You know, we, we have fears right before we take big, wonderful, might I emphasize, wonderful leaps with our creative energy. And so don't be surprised that the person sitting across from you is saying, no, you will not do that. You're grounded, even though you're 50 years old and you haven't been grounded for 40 years. It's not shocking to me that families just come completely unraveled when somebody wants to write their story. So what would it be like if you stepped back from that dysfunction and you honored that this is nothing to cling to, this is nothing to avoid or control, this is something that you want to do and you will do it with the highest level of integrity? You know, if Aunt Betty or Uncle Jimmy were up to something we don't really respect, You can change their names. You can change the city it happened in. There's all sorts of things you can do so that they stay deeply anonymous and you get to fulfill your purpose of sharing that story. Because remember, people are writing their stories because they're seeking some sort of transformation. They're changing their lives for the better. Don't rob yourself of that opportunity. I'll tell you this, Michael, who called in earlier today, he is rolling with a wonderful new podcast. 
And this time last year, it was a thought. It was something he had been thinking about for a while. Now, it's in the world. And let me tell you, he's one happy guy because of it. So what is it you want to bring into the world? Do you want to talk about it? There's still time for us to take your call. Or if you have written in, I will. Oh, Sandra has written in. Wonderful. We're going to get to you, Sandra. We're going to take just one little break so I can refresh myself on what you want to talk about. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals' lives. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. We're talking today about getting the dis out of your function. We want you to be creative in the world. And if you're approaching your creative projects from a dysfunctional point of view, it's not going to happen. You'll never get that project done. Believe me, it will be this thing that twists you in knots. Ask me how I know someday, all right? Ask me how I know. I have done it over and over and over again with things that I wanted to create. I'll tell you this. My mother gave me some really wise advice. Mother's Day's coming up if you're all listening to this on the live show. Happy Mother's Day, Mama. Hope you're out there listening. My mother gave me this great advice, and that was she always used to tell me, You can do anything you want, so make sure you really want to do it. And I took that to heart over and over and over again with things that I was trying to figure out, do I want to do this, or am I just thinking I want to do it because somebody next door has done it? There was a time in my life where I thought I wanted to be an Olympic gymnast, you know, but that was only because my girlfriend was, she was just flipping backwards and forwards and all over the place. She was doing an amazing job as a gymnast. And yeah, I found out it was, it was more up my alley to just learn to be a tumbler and call it good. I didn't want to work out eight hours a day with a strict coach and go spend my summers in Russia and <laughs> everything else that, that these really, really serious people do. So you got to think about it. What is it that you really want to do? Because if you really want to do it, it's likely that it's going to happen. Yeah. If you're having a dysfunctional relationship with it, though, it's likely that it's not going to happen and not happen the way you wanted it to. So let's see what Sandra is up to. Thank you, Sandra, for reminding me that you wrote in earlier. She says, do you think our stories can be told at any time? I have a story I want to tell about growing up. 
but I'm 60 now and I don't know if I've missed my window to share my story. We were a family of eight kids and we're from the South. That's how things used to be, big families. And now, I just don't know, would people care to read about that? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. In fact, just before we came back, I heard someone say, oh, yeah, I might write something, but I don't know if anybody would read it. You know, that's not an uncommon thing to say or to think or to feel, to feel like, what if I got started on this and then I didn't have any readers? Mm. Well... That's dysfunction at work doing its great job of keeping you in that groove of avoiding what you might want to create. If you really know you want to create it and you're really not doing anything to create it, got a little dysfunctional relationship going on. You're trying to go 180 degrees in one direction and 180 degrees in the other direction. Doesn't work so well. So, Sandra, what I want to say to you is people love history. People love movies. People love documentation of how things used to be. And I would would be completely at a loss if I thought that the notion of family doesn't intrigue many, 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 millions of people on the planet. So if you're going to write about the Deep South and you're going to write about being from a, a family where there were eight children and you now have the perspective at age 60 to look back on those experiences, this is what I would recommend. Number one, I would find some sort of theme that you could focus in on. So what is it about this story that really, really drives you to share? And, and I'll just make some things up here. Is it that your family was a musical family and you all created music together and how you, how you had fights about it and how you had celebrations around it? Hmm? Could it be something like that? Was it that your family all centered around one person for some reason? Um, maybe there was somebody in your family that had a disability. And so everybody had a certain role around that person. And it's really a book that honors how all seven kids came together to honor one. Could it be that your story is around uh, race, religion, dialect, politics? I mean, those are the biggies that everybody tells you not to write about. But if you feel that you are confident in bringing a story forward that many of us could look at, why not? It's really important to think about what that theme would be for your family and realize that in every theme, there are so, so many people beyond what you could even conceive. There are so many people following that particular theme. 
One theme I love to follow is the whole notion of human growth and and self-development. I'm talking about mental growth here, spiritual growth, emotional growth. Do you know how many people follow those sorts of topics? And over and over again, I get clients that say, oh, but there's hundreds of thousands of books out there already. And all I can say is, but yours isn't. Your book is not out there. And you might not need 25 million people buying your book. What if, what if 1,000 people bought your book? What if 10,000 people bought your book? What if one day you woke up and you found out 100,000 people had bought your book? My guess is you'd be just as happy as if eight people bought your book and you were related to them all. There's something wonderful that happens when you stop being dysfunctional about the creative thing you want to do and you become very functional with it. You create the time. You sit down to do it. And for a lot of my clients, it means a half an hour a day. I have a client, Victoria, who started her book in fall And at the end of the following summer, so almost a year, she had that first draft and some good, (laughs) almost said good edits, and that's poor English. (laughs) She had editing completed in less than a year's time. A lot of us think that a book would require years upon years upon years. And I just want to assure you that it can if that's the sort of relationship you want to have with it, one that goes on and on and on. Ask me again how I know. Yeah, because I've done it. But I've also done the one where in a matter of weeks, I sat down and wrote a book of short stories, meaning one short story after another after another on a common theme. And my theme was coming of age for girls. You would be surprised what you can create if you're willing to have a functional relationship with your creative time. Sandra, I hope that serves you. And I just want to leave you with everyone here with a couple other notions you might think of if you're kind of on the fence about, is it my time to really get creative and commit to being that way? And one thing I want to tell you is I'm, I have events all the time that allow you to explore this. Right now I have the Golden Threads Workshop. It's totally through Facebook private group. It's only $79 and I'm taking many nuggets from my $3,000 writers program to offer that people. Again, it's just $79 and it's going on right now. If you're interested in that, Get in touch with me on Facebook or my Gmail account is askcoachdebbie, askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. And Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y. And that just helps you learn more about these tips I want to give you here. One is if you're going to leave behind your dysfunctional relationship, 
what you're going to do is prioritize your needs. So you know you want to write a book, but what are your real needs around making this happen? One might be that you need some guidance, so go get it. One might be that you need 30 minutes a day, so it's time to go get it. One might be that you need an objective perspective. You might want to sit down with a friend or a coach to gain that. For example, Sandra writing in was saying, I'm 60 years old and my story goes way back. Are people going to be interested? Let me just tell you, yes, yes. You need to get out of that subjective thought that since it happened so long ago, your story doesn't need to be told. I'm here to tell you, if you have a desire to tell it, you have also a need to make time for it. I want you to also think about the fact that getting comfortable with your own perspective, like we talked about in the Gilmore Girls example, is very important to you going forward. Your mom, your dad, your uncle, your teacher, your neighbor, your lover, your anyone might have opinions about you expressing yourself in the world. And that's okay. But come back to your perspective. Be integrous as you write. Make sure that you are being the unmasked version of you, the vulnerable version of you. If you're willing to be vulnerable when you write, you will be very respective of other people's vulnerability too. Note, note also that um, there's a big difference between being careful and nurturing toward the content of what you're writing and taking care of everybody else by doing your writing. So for example, I put a lot of care into my, my teaching content. One thing I teach is the hero's journey and I really want to epitomize what the message from Joseph Campbell was all about. And I also want to have my own flair on how you can bring those teachings into the world. So I put care into that. Now that's very different than me being overly careful towards nurturing my students. I give them care, but it is also up to my students to be caring toward themselves, to be caring of the time they need to do their project, to be caring of the words they put on the page. I can't do that for them. That's something they do. But what I know I can do is I can be nurturing and careful of the project we're working on. Now that's very, very different than becoming dysfunctional and enabling someone or taking over. You want to also watch out for being judgmental of others that might not be doing the creative, big, wonderful project that you're up to and just sort of judging that they're living a, a lesser life 
or they haven't really stepped into their calling and all of that because sometimes that can just puff us up into thinking that what we're doing is so darn important that on a bad day, we go falling down from that soapbox and we fail to find the energy to get up and really be truthfully expressive and vulnerable and do it in a much more heart-centered way. We don't want to judge others for not doing what we are doing. If you are up to writing a book or a speech and someone else in your family definitely has the talent to do it too, but they're not, yeah, you, you don't want to get into some sort of judgment on why they are are being the way they are or why they're not indulging in their own talents. You want to focus on yours, really focus on where you are truly talented, where you can stop the dysfunction, where you can be that person that creates something you really desire. Again, if you want some help with this or if you just want to have a conversation and find out what's possible for you, reach out at askcoachdebbie at gmail.com. Debbie is spelled D-E-B-B-Y. Debbie at gmail.com. We talk about these topics on Story You and many others. We're here live 4 o'clock every Thursday. We come to you from KKNW and we offer a podcast on many platforms. Until next Thursday, my friends, have a wonderful Mother's Day and namaste to you. Bye-bye now. 